Hey folks, and welcome to the Deconstructor of Fun podcast. I'm your host, Mishka Katkoff, and today I'm joined by Stefan Gray, PhD and Consumer Research Manager at Facebook. In this episode, we're going to deconstruct the Game Marketing Insights 2021 report published by Facebook early this year. In this, in this report, in this podcast, we're going to talk about demographics, purchasing behavior, player preferences, the massive influx of new players in 2020, gaming communities, role of familiarity and downloads, decisions made by players, etc., etc. You can get the full full report for full Game Marketing Insights 2021 report by going to Facebook or fb.gg slash insights 2021 or just simply go into the descriptions of this podcast and clicking on or tapping on the link. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this podcast. I want to give a big shout out to our partner, Facebook Gaming, for taking the time to dive deep into this gaming marketing insights report with us. And if you didn't know, Facebook Gaming is the home for more than 700 million people each month who play games, watch gaming videos, or just engage in gaming groups on Facebook. And when you think about Facebook Gaming, you know, the first thing that comes to your mind is, of course, the unrivaled Facebook audience network and all the way that Facebook enables you to advertise effectively as well as increase organic reach and engagement. But Facebook Gaming is so much more. When you head on to FB, dot gg slash dof you'll find insights that help you to understand trends and consumer behavior you'll discover monetization that puts your players first and you'll find detailed guides for your game to connect with larger audience through streamers and community tools so do like i did bookmark fb dot gg slash dof and you will always have access to an incredible amount of insightful actionable and relevant information along with tips and tools on how to grow your business. I hope you enjoy this podcast. I truly did enjoy recording it, learned a lot. And um, yeah, without further ado, Stefan Gray and Game Marketing Insights Report 2021. Stefan Gray, PhD, Consumer Research Manager at Facebook. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. It's nice to be here. So, Stephen, can you tell a little bit what a PhD of consumer research does at Facebook? Yeah, great question. Uh, first thing to say is my PhD doesn't have that much to do with what I do. Um, I have actually a PhD in cognitive psychology that I got at the University of Chicago. Um, kind of found the ivory tower a bit unsatisfying in a few ways and decided to, you know, I, I saw this great talk um, by this researcher at Riot Games called Jeff, named Jeffrey Lynn, that really like opened my mind to the idea of getting into games user research. Um, so, looked into it. A bunch of you know, I interned at EA. I did a bunch of like different consumer research type of, of projects within the gaming space for a while, and ultimately landed at Facebook, um, where now it's literally my job to dive into the behaviors and motivations of gamers around the world. So. That's fascinating. This is something that we just do based on a gut feeling, but you're actually a scientist that has been doing this. So it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. So let's talk about the the Games Marketing Inside 2021 report. It came earlier this year and Facebook has actually been doing them since 2019. So can you please talk about the goal and the audience of the report for those who are unfamiliar with the report? Sure. Um... 
So when we first published like the first inaugural report in 2019, the goal was really to just offer insights analysis on like key trends and, and honestly like provide a trajectory for our gaming clients and partners and, and show that like we are really interested in, in you know, their business and, and understanding um, the, the problems that they face and providing whatever thought leadership we can. Um, you know, with the, this this one specifically, the 2021 one, you know, the COVID-19 outbreak, um, you know, we, we know that the gaming industry, like everyone else, had their own challenges, but also opportunities, as, as the numbers will tell you. Um, we saw the surge in consumer demand, disruption to previous consumption habits in general across the other verticals besides gaming that we look at as well. Um, we really just wanted to have a way to, to study this and, and say, like, what's changing and try to get a sense as to where the industry's like, not just like what's changing now, but where the industry's kind of going, like like what's changing forever was was really the, the big thing we wanted to understand in, in this 2021 report. There's some numbers that are pretty crazy when it comes to 2020. Uh, I think we, we had them in, in the notes here, like downloads were up by 33%. The revenue was up by a quarter compared to the previous years. And what I really find interesting about about you know, looking at the report, just kind of zooming out, and I was pulling a lot of numbers from Sensor Tower, and there are perceptions of, of certain like fact, of almost like factfulness that, that people have. It's like it's impossible to break into top 100. All the same, all of the games are there uh, that have been there since like the launch of Candy Crush and Clash of Clans. And then when you actually look at the numbers, look at the actual facts, and we see a, a ever rapid evolution of the mobile games, especially on the top. So. Looking at the top, 42 new games in top 100. So, and that is almost a double to what it was in 2019. So we saw many, many new games break into top 100. We saw 70,000 new games launch, which is actually 10,000 more than a year before. And the number of games in the market was 400,000, which is actually 10,000 less than before. So very interesting market dynamics happening. And, and every time, like, I, every time I tend to talk about the market, I like to, you know, put a photo of two mountains. So everybody thinks the mobile gaming market looks like something like mountain, mountain Everest, where it's just very, very like a tiny peak and, and, and hard to get in and half of the people die that even look at, look that way. But in my opinion, the peak look looks like is more like um tabletop mountain, like that type of a thing. Like there is, it's very, very hard to get to the top, but when you actually get to the top, it's not as steep. It's actually a quite wide. And what we're seeing, it's getting wider and wider. So uh, just interesting tidbits of dynamics of the market. No, for sure. And like, I mean, from my perspective, that, I mean, it kind of makes sense to me that you saw such a shift on top of the market, right? Like if you're, I mean, everything that we've found in this report really says that the type of people that, at least in a lot of the, the Western markets that that are starting to play mobile games are actually people who may have in fact been like your core console gamers before, right? And they found themselves with like more time during the pandemic or something, and it's kind of changed the landscape, right? Like that, that's that's like the whole point of what we want to say is that we, we really think the landscape has evolved, so yeah. of the actual consumers. So yeah, and that's that's why these reports are so fascinating. So let's take a you know let's talk a little bit about the demographic and purchasing behavior as well as the player preferences. What were the sort of a key takeaway from the report that you saw? So in the report, we looked at gamers in the US, UK, Germany, and South Korea. Um, the key takeaways were basically this. One, new mobile gamers are significantly younger than existing players and people who were playing before. Um, in the US, UK, and Germany, they were actually it was the opposite in Korea. We, they're actually older in Korea, which we, we can maybe come back to in a second. 
Second, new mobile gamers show more core behaviors in terms of genre preferences, engagement, and propensity to play non-mobile games. Um, an example of this is we saw an increase in the US in, in propensity in the new gamers specifically for shooter games versus your sort of more traditional ones at the top, like your, your puzzle games or word games, things like that. Um, and then yeah, South Korea, is, the third one's of South Korea is a bit of an anomaly. Um, the gamers there actually were older and preferred the more casual genre. So the shifts was kind of different specifically in that market. So let me ask more about this core behavior. Like how do you characterize what is a core behavior? So you talked about a lot of the new gamers actually coming in and playing shooter games. That, that's that's very interesting. It was partially bespoke that genre. Um, shooters was really the one that kind of stood out in a couple of the markets that we looked at in terms of rising to the top specifically in new gamers that we, we didn't see in the existing gamer behavior. We also just looked at the number of hours played. Um, and actually in, in all markets, we saw that the new gamers were actually playing, reporting at least playing significantly more hours per week um, than, the, than the existing gamers. Um, it's worth noting, by the way, that we didn't actually do this study like during the height of the pandemic when people had more time. We ran, we actually collected this data a few months after once the economy started to return to normal. So this was meant to be looking at like longer term changes in behavior. It, it wasn't meant to be like, Let's measure it in February when everybody's stuck at home playing on their phones. So, <laughs> yeah, with the, with the biggest peak, it's more like okay, how how did the people continue playing when the first yeah. wave of COVID was done? So this was probably like between between first and second wave. Yeah, that that was sort of the, that's how we've been describing. I started sharing it right in the high of the second wave. We're like, well, past the past the first peak in the little dip, and then just before, yeah, uh, was was when we measured this data. So. <clears throat> yeah, and we'll see another, like, we'll see a pretty, I think 2021 will be the first year that we'll see mobile market decline year over year, ever, just because the, the last year was such a, such a massive one. I don't think the other growth can continue. Anyways, so you talked about a massive influx of new players, and, and of course, the installs grew by 33%. So can you talk a little bit about the demographics of those players, like how old they are? Um, maybe some behavior aspects, like why did they start playing? What genres do they prefer? And um, are they spending more or less now than they did before the lockdowns? So we saw specifically in the US, UK, and Germany specifically that the 18 to 24 groups kind of dominated the new gamers group. It was it was a lot higher than what we saw in, in the existing gaming group. In terms of genre preferences, we saw them sort of gravitating more towards like core genres, like, like your shooters and whatnot. In terms of spending behaviors, and, and I think this was one of the probably most surprising findings of the report for us, we saw in all markets that we looked at significantly increased reported propensity to spend. So like a larger number of new gamers reported spending money than existing gamers. And the ones who did spend, spent more money per month than the existing gamers group. So that's interesting. And you said two things were up. Conversion was up and average revenue per paying user was up compared to the last year. That is fascinating though, because when you compare all these things, like when you would say, my hypothesis would be that if you have an influx of younger players, well, for sure, your conversion and average revenue per paying user are going to go down just because of because of the fact that they tend not to have credit cards or jobs. Uh, but but this is an, an interesting aspect. And also the fact that they flocked towards shooters. And we know that shooters are probably not the, uh, you know, the not the most aggressively monetizing games. No, it is a little bit counterintuitive. Like, I would say that this isn't necessarily specific also to like, I think we weren't specifically asking necessarily about like what type of monetization. So we weren't, this is made it maybe that they're like purchasing like paid apps. We just asked in total how much they specifically spent in the past month on mobile games. Mm. Um, 
I'll say that even though shooters were up, like we we did actually see still large numbers of people still playing your more traditional like mobile categories, like like your puzzles and, and strategy games as well. Yep, yeah, yeah, that, that that makes total sense. I just um, yeah, I, I kind of understand. Like I'm always trying to to understand more from the player perspective. Like why would, why would especially shooters be such a such a popular genre during the lockdowns? But on the other hand, they they do offer quite long play times compared to to other other genres because of the battle pass monetization system so essentially there are no caps to how much you can play and and they're quite quite you know free roaming battle battle royales and so forth yeah um what i'd add to that also is that like again like our hypothesis here was that it was a lot of the sort of people who were who are playing console gamings or console games before that were starting to sort of dabble in mobile. And you know, we we had we didn't this is part of the study, but we saw some supporting evidence. If you if you looked on Amazon and like gaming peripheral sales during the pandemic, one thing you'll have noticed was that a lot on top of this were a lot of like controllers specifically for mobile games. So it, it really suggests kind of together puts together this story saying that like there are these people who are, who are at home and, you know, they have console games. Maybe it's hard to get out and like to your GameStops or whatever of the world. Maybe I don't know if people still go to GameStop. <laughs> maybe people still do go to GameStop actually right now. Um, the stock was off um, for sure for GameStop for a while, but that was, that was something because... else. That was, that was a whole nother, I, I had nothing that I don't, that was insane. I got um, because of the lockdowns. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, maybe it's harder to get out and get in your game. So, you know, you get to admit, okay, well, you know, I have this, phone that I'm on right now and oh I see they released um pub an update to PUBG mobile or something and it, you know it's really it's on top of the app store right now um so you try it out and then you get into it and you realize actually this can deliver the same sort of core experiences I'm, I'm accustomed to getting in, in console games so so the, so the hypothesis that you guys have is that more core gamer like what we would call core gamers um entered mobile mobile yeah mobile yeah that, that's how we're thinking about it um that's fascinating. That's that's really fascinating and 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 um, yeah, very interesting. Especially since the new generation, yeah, the new generation of console launch, but not not everybody who wanted to buy one got one. It's uh, it's expensive and hard to find. Yeah, and timing of this was a little bit earlier before I think like the, the big launch of like the PS Five and stuff mm -hmm. as well too. So this because we were we mentioned like July and I think PS Five is a little bit just after that perhaps. But okay, yeah, very interesting to uh, so what do the new existing players have in common? Like, do they play for the same reasons and do they spend money in, in the same way as before? We saw universally um, across both the existing gamers and new gamers that the reasons why they play mobile games were pretty much the same. Um, relief stress, pastime, sense of accomplishment. Um, there were some variants across the markets, but those three were pretty consistently on top. Um, in terms of why they spent, um, also, you know, the reasons were, were pretty similar, um, namely they, they spent on things like personalizing their characters and avatars, completing in-game item collections, um, or in some cases where, where puzzle games were on top, you know, skipping through difficult points or advancing through like difficult like walls that they run into in the game. Um, and honestly, just to keep the game exciting. Yeah. So. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty basic ones. Those are, those are two interesting, um, motivations that you mentioned, like passing time has, has always been there, and the accomplishment is the second one. I'm just I'm just creating a hypothesis, like during these times when you're in a lockdown and you can't kind of get anything done, it feels like these type of these type of values tend to go up of like, why are you playing a game? It's like, well, at least I'm, you know, I'm being productive in some other way. I'm making progress uh, virtually, even though I'm yeah. physically. Spoken like a true RPG gamer. Um. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I am for sure. No, I am too. Man, I fear you. I am too. So <laughs> I um no, I know exactly what you mean, and that, that really resonates. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You you feel that you feel that it was a time well spent because you you progressed. Yeah. Like the, the numbers went up, so it wasn't it wasn't wasted time. <laughs> as long as my tool tip DPS is going up, something right is happening. So yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the that's the sense of accomplishment. Um. All right. Uh, so the report talked about habits formed by these existing players. So can you elaborate on those? those uh, sure. Yeah. So in addition to trying to understand um, the differences between new and existing gamers, we were really look, trying to look at how their behavior honestly shifted from before COVID-19 to after, between the peaks, I should say, because it's, it's obviously still ongoing. Um, so we asked gamers to describe the impact of the pandemic on their gaming habits in their own words. Uh, my favorite response is actually this participant we had in South Korea who said, instead of meeting friends in person, I've been connecting to them through mobile games. Before COVID, it was about a 50-50 split between meeting them in person and connecting them online. Now it's shifted to much more towards an online hangout. And to me, this resonates if you think of like things like the rise of Discord uh, and these like social, these big social platforms. The world, it makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, and I think this is something that's been true among core gamers for a while, but it's cool to see this um, kind of coming out in the mobile gaming side as well. How permanent do you think this is? Because there were, so I was analyzing the market and um, especially on, on the, uh, on the casino side of games, like they, I forgot the name, what was, what was the name of this poker game, but it basically, I mean, the, the way it separated from each other is that they'd had cameras. So you were able to see other, other players and that became kind of successful during the lockdowns. Uh, but then, you know, it kind of went off and people returned back to the uh, the top poker games from that one. So what's your perception? Like how how permanent do you feel this this notion is? It's like playing games because they're a place to hang out, especially after the, the younger generations being locked down for a good part of a year and now they can get back outside. Like, do you think this will prevail afterwards? Does, does it go back to 50-50 or... I'm not sure, honestly. It, it, you're right in that it's it's kind of hard to say right now. I mean, I look at it as like you know, it, it, it to me, it's it's like have almost like activated this this concept in their minds that you can't like go back from like that. This is like you know, it, maybe what used to somebody before never have thought that like oh I can go um play PUBG with a squad or something with my mm -hmm. friends and, and use it as a way to hang out on my phone. It's just not, it's just not something that would have like maybe crossed their mind before. But having gone through that, like I would guess that there will at least be some increased engagement in that side of the world. We've unlocked the metaverse. Oh, we've unlocked, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what else? Like when you look in the actual behavior of the existing gamer, were, were there any other other uh, notions? So looking at their actual behavior, we saw that existing gamers played more frequently and for longer than they did pre-pandemic. On the other hand, you know, they also reported spending less money than they were pre-pandemic, potentially to the effects of the pandemic on economy mm -hmm. and employment across the world. Um, so for developers, you know, increased engagement, decreased propensity to spend may mean that ad-based monetization models, or at least hybrid models, are, are perhaps more effective uh, in the long run for your long-term players who may be struggling uh, economically as a result of this whole massive shift. Okay, that that makes that makes total sense. It's a whole different topic, but but with uh, with the uh, ad-based monetization model, it it'll like the next thing is like, okay, so what's going to happen now? Now that Apple is rolling out the ATT what's going to happen with the CPMs and so forth. But that's a whole yeah. different conversation that we've been having on this podcast for, for many times, but I totally understand, yeah. understand that, that, um, that ad revenue would, would make a, would make sense when people are spending more time in games. You know? So let's talk more about the uh, social behavior. So people are on lockdowns. 
what are the effect on gaming communities? Because that was actually a big part of the report. And what about live stream? Yeah, sure. So communities obviously always been a huge part of gaming. Um, you know, with the influx of new players, general gaming activity outside of in-game saw a pretty big uptick in tandem. So we saw that people reporting, you know, spending more time going to forums, um, even just like talking to their friends, um, watching videos, things online. Um, we saw an uptick in all of that behavior. Um, you know, even in the sunset year of the current generation of consoles, you know, we saw specifically on Facebook that the number of gaming groups grew substantially, um, especially of around the peak of the pandemic. Active members in gaming groups on Facebook, as well as the number of groups grew during the months following the outbreak as people connected with their gaming communities. Currently, there are more than 230 million people who are active members in over 630,000 gaming groups on Facebook per month. Wow. Um, and this, again, there's really substantial growth here, um, specific, especially during the peak of the first peak of the COVID pandemic. So um, we also saw an increase in live stream. Unsurprisingly, you know, you guys have probably also seen the report by Streamlabs yeah. that from July to September in 2020, you know, people watch 7.46 billion hours of content across all live streaming platforms. Uh, and there was a 91% growth year over year, which is just an absurd number. Yeah, so, that's, that's doubling, <laughs> doubling of the streaming in a year. Wow. Yeah, those are those are huge numbers, and community is always such an important part. Uh, we tend to leave like some of the genres kind of tend to overlook it with the core games. The community is always on the top as well as the streaming, but these numbers are super impressive. It's kind of like impossible to overlook it. One thing you know happening with the IDFA and everything is familiarity and kind of like increase increase of the role of familiarity in the in the success of a game. So. Can you talk more about that? And um, yeah, since there's a bunch of predictions in the, the post-IDFA era and, and, uh, and the role of IPs and brands and games. Oh, definitely. Um, this, is, this is pretty top of mind for us as well. Um, so, you know, with, with more than, you know, 350K mobile games available to download, getting your game discovered is obviously no easy feat. What we found was that only a quarter of the people in the UK and Germany reported actually trying a game that they had never heard of. And this figure actually has declined year over year for us in the US and South Korea. So this all shows that while title familiarity, title familiarity is obviously a key factor for console gaming, it's actually just as important for mobile. Not only can title and brand recognition lead to discovery, it can also drive sales. Um, we, we think that mobile can learn from console gaming in this regard. So in console gaming, you know, consumers report that title and SQL title familiarity are pretty much the, the, among the most important key factors, like top three in pretty much every region mm -hmm. in their decision to purchase a game. And sorry, and, and also a third of console gamers in the US, UK, South Korea, and Germany reported that the most recent game they played was the latest edition of a game franchise they'd owned before. I, I think a lot of companies, especially the big ones, have seen that these type of numbers before because this justifies their franchise strategies. Uh, we've seen, I mean, for, for the longest time, we've seen Activision focusing on franchises significantly, you know, driving King yeah. to make franchise games. And now even, even the sort of a, uh, smaller in size, but not in stature, companies like Supercell are, are focusing on instead of creating new IPs, but actually doing, um, building around their Clash IP, building around their heyday IP, uh, because this report clearly states, I mean, one out of fourth of the new games being installed, like less than one out of fourth is some something that the players haven't heard about before. That's insane. That's 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 a really small number. And if it goes towards the route of, of, of markets that are ahead of the Western markets in terms of gaming, like South Korea, you know, a tenth of the games that, that, that they just install a tenth of the games that they've never heard about before. So pretty much 
IPs are going to be more and more important going in the future. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, right? Like if you have 350,000 games to go from and you've at least heard your friend talk about um, whatever Genshin Impact or one of like the new or early slate or like something like you know, having some familiarity there is going to make you install that over some some game you may not have heard of, right? I, I think gaming companies are becoming more and more open to thinking about their games as franchises, as an IPs, as things are moving forward and building a brand around them. Like when your game goes grows as big as Garena Free Fire that doesn't tell anybody anything what it is about, I, I think at some point you have to think, oh, all right, how do we actually make this into a franchise? Because we're bigger than PUBG on mobile. And, and people talk about PUBG, but they don't talk about us. So, so let's, yeah. uh, let's change that narrative since we have all the, uh, all the players and all the money in the world. So I think, I think it's the, these companies will, will be driving the, uh, the change. So this is, this is a fascinating report. It's a, it's a fascinating report every year. For folks who want to find the report and check out all the numbers themselves for their internal Zoom presentations or Hangouts or Blue Jeans or whatever you might be using, uh, go to Facebook dot gg you can find the report there and if you don't want to go there just go to the description note of this podcast and click on the link and you'll find the report thank you so much for joining the podcast and kind of running everybody through the the marketing insights from facebook for 2021 uh, we all hope that the uh, the 2021 will be a fun year <laughs> oh for sure and, and you know plenty of great games coming up on the horizon too so yeah. thanks so much for your time, man. It was great talking to you. Awesome. Thank you guys. And thank you for listening.